Hey everybody, welcome. It's time for Atomic Radio Hour, episode 289. How are you? You guys look great as usual. Hope you're doing well. I hope you, you're watching this on YouTube, which I think is the premier way to watch this. I, I finally replaced the light bulbs uh, in my bedroom here, so maybe the video looks a little better. Maybe the green screen isn't totally out of whack. I hope it isn't. I'm trying to see it on the viewfinder, and of course everything's done on in post-production, but I'm trying to look at it, and it looks a little more lit up. It doesn't look like how usually this side and this side look like two separate different greens, and I have to mess with it, and then, you know, I get greened out. Anyway, welcome to the episode. It feels like last week I had so much news to talk about, and this week it just feels like everything kind of dried up. I don't recall even anything crazy happening um, outside of, like, real-life things, like... The Epstein lists getting released, and apparently Stephen Hawking is a monster. Uh, there was that plane that blew up, like a door fell, flew out of the... And I love to fly, and it was like a Delta flight, the door flew out. Uh, I don't know, I don't feel like anything crazy happened. But there are some things I'd like to talk about. Thank you for joining us today. My name is... My name is... I was going to say Ben Vince. My name is Vince. Links in the description to the Twitter, the Patreon. The show is brought to you by the Goodman Entertainment Patreon. If you like any of that, go ahead and give it a look-see. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, but let's get into this first bit of news that I have. Now, most of my news on, on anything gaming-related or anything that it seems like I would want to talk about on the show comes to me by way of Kyle. So Kyle sent me this from Fandom Twitter. Uh, at get fandom fallout executive producer says the series quote exists in relation to the canon in exactly the same way all of the games do uh, different quote we are not adapting a narrative we're just creating a new narrative in the same setting which i think every gamer does end quote so they're not going to tell us the story of New Vegas. They're not going to tell us the story of Fallout 2 or Fallout 1 or 3 or 4. They're going to tell us a story within the universe that we are already familiar with. So all of the laws, all of the rules, all of the regulations that the world has given us is just going to be explained in more depth here in this new iteration. Which I don't like the way that's worded only because it feels like it says that when I first read that I thought each game is in its own continuity which maybe for the first two kind of counts and then New Vegas picks up the original like you know The Legend of Zelda has three I think it is three different continuity timelines there's like one is Link as a kid one is Link as an adult one if Link wins one if Link loses there's a bunch of different and then like this one is also coinciding with this one and then Breath of the Wild is its own continuity all together and that's what I kind of thought they were alluding to I thought they were kind of alluding to that it was going to be its own continuity and its own thing which would be interesting to see because as presumably the entire show takes place on the west coast but the brotherhood have flying ships and not just vertebrates but pridwin-esque vehicles so what does that mean for the entirety of the brotherhood does that mean that the boston brotherhood for some reason made its way back over to the west coast and is trying to then build up what they have because at in new vegas if you if you do any of the Brotherhood of Steel quests, the, the one that's there with Veronica, you find out that it's very much on its last legs. 
there's there's a way that you could get it where it becomes somewhat sustainable, but it's very much on its way out. It's very much the the end of a good thing. And does this mean that the East Coast Brotherhood that left the West Coast Brotherhood to then do its own thing then just comes back to become more of West Coast Brotherhood? I I really hope Fallout at some point in time can get away from Brotherhood stories. And that's what I like so much about New Vegas is that it's not dependent on a Brotherhood story. It's, here's a bunch of other stuff that's going on and then all of a sudden, oh, here's the Brotherhood as well. This is, this is a little bit of meat and potatoes for you about the Brotherhood of Steel in the capacity that they exist in this universe on at this part of the map. Where the other ones just feel like, oh, hey, you recognize Power Armor? Here's more Power Armor. And I just really hope that we're not following a Brotherhood scribe or a Brotherhood soldier or paladin or what have you for an extended period of time. Like, whatever. We got to check in them with like once an episode, every other episode. That's fine. I just don't want to constantly be watching a Brotherhood story. If they're there and they exist, cool. If they're going to show how the Brotherhood interacts with the West, like, hey, Vault City has something to do with the Brotherhood, then, then great groovy fantastic like that's all i really want i want to see how they interact with society and politics but i do not care about brotherhood paladins fighting death claws or super mutants or what have you especially if it's west coast if it's west coast and they're really paying attention super mutants are not east coast super mutants the ones that are still around are intelligent now if they have something where their mind is going through a degradation then fine, I'll give that a pass, but you have a lot of things that you could play with there. A super mutant that is remembering the master. A super mutant that is remembering what it was like to be part of something, and their mind is slowly going. A lot like how uh, Lily is in New Vegas, a nightkin who slowly lost their mind. If they can play on something like that, great. I was having a conversation at work about if, if, if I gave you $15 million and I said you could adapt any video game into a television show what would you go with and my one friend just goes i would revamp the entirety of halo just redo the halo show and that's my biggest fear is seeing how big halo was and seeing how big halo even kind of still is and then seeing how like here's the show that comes in that everybody wanted that neil blomkamp should have made the movie in like oh seven and now we're getting a TV show, and it feels like the TV show doesn't understand the character. Like, Chief is Chief is in it, for one. I don't feel like that's the point of a Halo show. If you're going to make a Halo show, you should have done... You should have done, like, other stuff in the same universe that talks about the Covenant and the and the Navy and whatever, and Captain Keys, and maybe, like, show it, have an episode... Like, do more of an anthology... But do it in a way that I feel like The Last of Us did it, where it explains the entirety of the universe, and then here's this like supplementary thing on top of it. I feel like the last of us does that like really, really well. That Bill and Frank episode's fantastic and it doesn't need to exist. Like it, you don't need any of that. Bill in the game shows up for a very short amount of time. He's a very angry man. And then he goes about his business. And I like that. They said, Hey, what if we made them made bill angry, but changed the way they did things a little bit, which I expect because it's a TV show and they give you nine hours of a TV show where The Last of Us, the first one, is a 20-hour game or a 15-hour game. 
So Fallout, a game that is going to be anywhere really from 30 to 120 hours, depending on how you play it for your first playthrough, I think my first playthrough of Fallout 4 was like 50 or 60 hours, I want to say, maybe a little more, maybe closer to 70. I don't remember exactly, but, you know, if you want to go back and be like, okay, this is how long this takes, and we're going to get, say, 15 episodes, and or, or let's say let's say 12 episodes, and each one is, is 10 hours, or an hour long, that's 12 hours, opposed to a 9-hour, not even 9 hours, because The Last of Us, some of the episodes were longer and some of them were shorter. But let's just say it's an hour each, and let's just say that it's a small thing. Can you tell an entire game story? And I'm not saying this is an adaptation, because I just said it's not, but can you t- tell a Fallout tale within 12 hours probably probably because it's not me going through drawers going okay i need adhesive i need adhesive is there ammo adhesive ammo bottle caps it's what i'm looking for so i'm excited for the show i think i've said that enough i think every time i talk about this it comes down to i'm excited for it but it feels like at what point are we actually going to see anything substantial and how is this going to live up to the hype I love this game, I love this series, I love this brand of fiction, and I just want to see it be done justice. And the props look good, the CGI looks fine, the Yagwai eating that dude looks fantastic, but I want to see how it's going to be implemented. Now I'd like to get into this week's lore, before I can get into this week's lore, I have to thank the Patreon. Thank you to the Patreon, because if you guys, the show can continue to grow and get bigger and better, and if you like the show and you're interested in seeing how it's made and becoming part of the audience, which is essentially has become part of the show itself, consider checking out the Patreon at the $10 Film Live Before Studio audience tier, because you become a part of the show every Wednesday at about 8.30 Mountain Standard Time, we get together, We have fun, we hang out, we shoot the shit, and then we shoot an episode. And if I'm wrong or just sound like an ass and I'm talking out of said ass, then you get to become part of the show. There's a chat, but there's some people that I get. What I'm saying is check out the Patreon if you like the show. There's some people I have to thank who've contributed to the Patreon. So starting at the top, I have to thank the OG Noah. Thank you to Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. After Marcus, I have to thank Mellow Millhouse. Thank you to Mellow Millhouse. And last but certainly not least, I have to thank Captain Lennox. Thank you to Captain Lennox. Like I said, because of your support, the show continues to grow and get bigger and better. And if you like it, check out the description. There's a link to the Patreon below. Now, every week, I'll go into the Patreon and I will ask a poll because uh, if you're in the Patreon, even at the $1 tier, your voice is heard when it comes time to choose this week's lore. So I went into the Patreon and I asked a question, a question that I didn't think was going to go this way. Someone on Instagram had DM'd me and said, hey, could you do this for a lore segment? And I said, I will add it to the rotation, but I think I've already done it. Turns out I hadn't done it. And if I did, there isn't a video about it. So screw it. Why not? I'll do it again. Now that I have a better setup and I have the screen screen, I can do something differently. So I put into the Patreon, what would you rather hear? Would you rather hear about the pine size slasher? Would you rather hear about the slog? So if you'd like to hear any lore, and I mean any lore whatsoever, go ahead and check out the Gooman Entertainment Patreon, because even at the $1 tier, your voice is heard when I pick this week's lore via a poll that the Patreon gets pulled on. This week's lore 
comes to us once again by way of Patreon on the slog from Fallout 4. Now, the slog is a settlement that I actually kind of forgot even existed, to be completely frank with you. And I remember when I was going through the wiki, the fallout.fandom.com, the Nukipedia, if you will, it's where I get all of my lore. When I was going through that, I remember... Go. I sometimes I'll just go in. There used to be a button for random, and I used to just find things for that. But I'll just go through and I'll click on locations and I'll read through and I'll look at characters. And I, sometimes I write them down. One character I've written down because of this lore because I forgot they existed. But I, I picked the slog because I remember the slog being pretty memorable. I know redundant, but I remember it being somewhat like vaguely important, like vaguely an interesting place that I wanted to go to. I remember doing it in the beginning of my Fallout 4 run, and I don't think I've ever really been back. So reading this was a nice little catch-up for all of that. It's an entirely ghoul-run settlement uh, once Mayor McDonough exiled them all from Diamond City. Now, like I said, I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com, the Nukipedia, if you will. And there's a quote that I'd like to read directly from the wiki. The sole survivor can say... Why did the mayor throw you out? And Wiseman, a person who's there, a ghoul who was there in the slog, responds, responds with, we're ugly. We turn feral and kill people. We give the kids nightmares. All the usual stuff we get from you smooth skins. Now, it's true that there was one incident in Diamond City where a ghoul turned feral and someone got hurt. But I ask you this. How many humans have suddenly turned violent and killed somebody? I've seen it more times than I care to admit. What if this place could be more than just a refuge for ghouls who aren't welcome elsewhere? What if it could also be an example of what we can do when we put our minds to something and work together? We want this to be a place that everyone looks forward to visiting with smiling faces, good bargains, and great produce. Maybe we could take a second look, you know? Maybe then they wouldn't see us as such monsters. And this is something that I really hope future Fallout fiction canon fiction the show more games kind of goes in upon because if i remember correctly if i remember correctly there is a fallout game i believe it's a more recent one goes into the degradation of ghouls brains and how every ghoul will eventually turn feral they are the first and only generation of a dying breed they can't reproduce Ghouls can be remade. Uh, you see it in Camp Searchlight in New Vegas, how there are NCR, uh, NCR soldiers that are then ghoulified when the attack happens. So they can be made after the fact. But many ghouls, especially one character I'm going to talk about a little bit later, who's in the slog, he's well over 200 years old. He's seen the world change many times over in his lifetime because of the way the world works in fallout's society because of this i wish fallout would would really harp on that more my my dream in a game is that you get to play as a ghoul and the entire game changes if that happens and i really hope that if the that ability becomes present in the games it's something that could hit me organically that it's something i can just be walking around i'm too irradiated all of a sudden i go to shoot the gun and i notice that my hands a little more wrinkled and maybe I go into third person, I swing around, I've had a mask on, but I take my mask off and I see that my skin's starting to fall off. My beard isn't as full as it once was. It's a little more patchy. 
that's what I want to see. And I want to see how the world changes. And like, say I go back to my settlement or my vault, wherever the game starts, and the people don't talk to me the same. They don't look at me the same because I'm a ghoul. I want the world itself to be the character that, that shapes my character. Not just my action shapes my character, but the world does. And okay, yeah, you did that one quest that got you heavily irradiated. Maybe that's the contributing factor. Because then you play this entire game with yourself of going, when did the world change for me? When was I, I was welcomed in this settlement and then I was no longer welcomed in this settlement because of the way I look. No matter how high my charisma is, I can't get back in and I want to because I really, really like that place. Things like that. And I appreciate whenever we get to see it, but there will come a time and I have a feeling it's going to become sooner rather than later where we're going to see ghouls the same amount we saw super mutants in New Vegas. It feels like it's only bound to happen. We're going to see people no longer existing. And to see that the slog is kind of a safe haven in, in Fallout 4, I'm surprised I don't remember it more. I'm surprised I wasn't more excited when I first found it, in my memories at least, that it's a safe haven for ghouls because I love ghouls so very much. I think they're one of the most interesting groups of people in the Fallout universe. Now, the slog at one point in time was the Middlesex County swimming pools in the Commonwealth, and it is the only Tarberry bog in all of the Commonwealth. The sole survivor can ask Wiseman the slog, how did you come up with a name like that? And Wiseman will say, we didn't. It was the caravan traders who started that. I started this place a few years back, but couldn't think of a name for it. Then, one day, one of the traders pulls up after it had been raining for hours, and he says he's never had to slog through so much mud in his life. I asked him if it was worth it, and he said for the best tar berries in the Commonwealth, it definitely was worth it. Now, believe it or not, that's really all the, the wiki, the Nukipedia, followedfandom.com, the Nukipedia, if you will, has on the slog itself. Uh, it has more on the characters that are there. And there are five named ghouls that inhabit the slog, and then three miscellaneous just worker bees for the slog. The first one being Wiseman, who I've pretty much talked about, a very kind, soft-spoken gentleman who has taken up the responsibility of taking the slog into his own hands and building it up and wanting it to become more than just a farm, but a safe haven, a refuge, somewhere where ghouls can flourish, somewhere they can thrive. There's also Deirdre, a flirty settler and merchant of the slog, a woman who you could trade with. There's Jones, a farmhand at the slog, is quite upset about being kicked out of Diamond City, but doesn't really let that bother him. He'll have some interactions with Holly, uh, another ghoul who is there. And she'll say, look, if we want to be respected by Diamond City, we have to produce the best tar berries the Commonwealth has. So he doesn't let his, his pettiness dig into his work he focuses on what makes him happy and that's growing the tar berries and in turn he turns a profit and then he can also provide for the other ghouls that are coming there to show the world that ghouls aren't just zombies shufflers brain eaters then there's also holly who i just mentioned previously if holly asks about the soul if holly asks the soul survivor if she's looking good and the soul survivor says she is uh, she will say the sole survivor is looking pretty damn fine and then ask if she would ever date a ghoul. And I was thinking about it when I wrote that. I don't think that there is anywhere in the Fallout universe outside of New Vegas 
where you can hook up with a ghoul. You can date a ghoul. You can have a relationship with a ghoul. I remember you can have sexual relationships uh, in New Vegas with ghoul, ghoulstitutes, as I always like to call them, the ghoul prostitutes, but not so much can you really do that? I mean, for Hancock, I guess, if he's like near you and you have a good relationship with him. I'm not a huge fan of romancing your companions. It's neat that it's there, but I don't need it. Do whatever, do whatever you must, do whatever you will. But it's, uh, it's something that got me thinking. It's, it's another thing of like, I want to be able to explore these characters, not just like that, but explore what makes them tick. And I think it'd be neat if you could have some sort of a relationship that isn't a companion, but is someone you continue to go back to kind of the way Skyrim did it. Like an NPC that kind of lives in your house or something, or maybe it's just someone that you go see every now and again. I think that'd be really, really interesting. And finally, we have Arlen Glass, a character who I completely forgot existed. And I'm not going to go too, too much into who he is. I'm going to give you the basics of who he is. Uh, but I would like to do... I would like to do a, a lore segment on Arlen Glass to the point where I've written his name down and I think I'm going to put him in next week's poll. Arlen Glass is the co-founder of Wilson's Automatoys and the lead designer up until October 21st of 2077. This is the creator of the Giddy Up Buttercup, which made hundreds of millions of dollars in, in, in profit Um even though each unit, each Giddy Up Buttercup was $16,000. He has a tremendous backstory. Um, he just wanted to make children happy. He just wanted to spread joy with the world. He just wanted to show everybody that there was still a little bit of magic left in the world. And there's a beautiful irony to the happy the person who should have the happiest job just being miserable and i don't really remember his quest i remember doing it i remember this being like again one of the first things i did and being like damn wow okay cool i'm invested and i remember collecting giddy up buttercups for him that's all i'm really gonna say because like i said i'd like to do an episode on him i'm either gonna do I think next episode we're going to do it on a character. So I'm going to put uh, him and somebody else from probably New Vegas in the uh, poll for the lore. But a very, very interesting character. Again, I like to see what happened to a man who was once a human and is now a ghoul man. I like to see what, what happened to them after this goes off, after the events have transpired that create the world in such disarray. It's such an interesting thing for me to see and to see a man who, again, is the man who made happy. He's the man who invented things for children to play and have fun with. To see all that and then it's all gone because of greed. It's just interesting to me. That's all I really have on the slog and its inhabitants. I hope you enjoyed because that is this week's lore. After these messages, Ahoy! How are you? Welcome to this little interstitial piece that I'm recording after the fact. I usually record this on a Wednesday. I usually record every episode on a Wednesday to have it out for a Saturday morning. This is being recorded on Friday the 19th, 20, uh, 2024, the year of our Lord. And uh, just in my own luck, it happens to be that after I record something, something else happens that I have to talk about. So what I'm about to show you is the... 
uh, Bethesda published. Let me see if I can see this. This is a Bethesda published game, but Machine Games is working on it, and it's obviously licensed from, license from Lucasfilms because it's Indiana Jones. The full title is Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. I will be 100% honest with you. I do not enjoy Indiana Jones myself. I didn't grow up with it. Um, I barely grew up with Star Wars. Uh, but I didn't grow up with Indy. If I remember correctly, Todd Howard has his hand in this. He might be directing it in some capacity or something. Again, if I remember correctly, uh, the only thing I've seen of this is a quick clip of someone using a whip. I Presumably Indiana Jones himself. Uh, but I don't think his real name is even Indiana Jones. I always made the joke that the reason I don't care about Indiana Jones is because I'm not collecting uh, AARP benefits. Something about this always just seemed like something for old men to me, which I know is funny being an old man. But also, um, the only real exposure I have to Indiana Jones is when I was a kid. I was in like the sixth grade. We went to Disney and Disney had a Indiana Jones experience type thing. Actually, let me show you the, the page since I'm already on it. And if you're, if you're watching, here's the, here's the page itself for the website coming this year so we're getting the indiana jones game this year i went to disney and i saw the indiana jones experience and i was like kind of into it uh like the idea of indy because i was kind of into the idea of star wars because it was a thing that i like knew about that i wanted to be a part of because it felt like everybody was a part of star wars but i remember there was like a point where the guy was like directing and he's like showing the guy who we see who's talking to us, like showing him the hand movements. And I remember that really upset me as a kid. And I don't know why. I think it was because it was just like I assumed that this person knew what they were doing and it seemed like they didn't and that this person was showing them. That's the only thing I remember of that and the famous boulder chase piece. So without any further ado, we're going to get right into... An executive produced by Hall of Fame game designer Todd Howard. So Todd is 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 in this. So we're going to get right on into this. I'm going to give my own commentary and talk about what I would like to talk about. I think it's very funny that Dracula Flow is just right here. I watch this at the gym all the time. My track hogs sound like Game 7. Let's start this video. Let oh, let me put it... Oh, it's already in higher quality. Let me tell you what you are missing. Dr. Jones. So what I did read is that this takes place in 1938, which if I am correct, and I think I am, uh, Indiana Jones like takes place around like Nazi stuff. Uh, again, I've never seen them, but this is a Bethesda published game that has hype around it because Todd is working on it in some capacity. And I've heard that like the first one is really good because both George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were going through divorces. So it's like genuinely like like the plight of man like their their hurt came out in this movie i, I mean that's just what i've heard dr joe you are playing your pointless game i was playing seeing nazis and i might have to censor that word depending on when i put this in or just in general because youtube doesn't like it anymore um I want to see more World War II games. I feel like growing up, it was only World War II games. Call of Duty 4 came out, and then all we saw was modern warfare-type games without trying to use another Call of Duty title. But I would like to see more World War II games show back up. The only thing I can think of that really is still doing it is Sniper Elite. And you? You're wondering if maybe you should have... Built yourself a life of meaning. Uh, pausing again, because my my question with Indiana Jones is, is it like the original Star Wars? 
where if you realize that it's like a goofy kids movie, then it's fun and that the later stuff took itself too seriously. Like, is that the feeling of indie that I should go into it? Or is it by time you get to the fifth one, it, it just depicts Harrison Ford as this like all around badass old man who's 90. Instead of ending up here, dead and forgotten in the sense of Africa. He's going to say Africa, and I have the subtitles on. Uh, I want to see more World War II stuff about Africa, because the the Germany invaded Africa, and I feel like we never hear anything about it. North Africa. That looks like Harrison Ford. That's a really good model. Uh, this is presumably being, being built for Series X. That's a fantastic model. Wow. You, like, nothing, wow. I don't think I've ever played a Machine Games game. There he is, there's our boy. Myths. Oh, it's first person? History. I assumed it was gonna be third. Just different ways to interpret the past. This voice for Harrison Ford sounds really good. Like, it sounds like a decent Harrison Ford. Like I said, I've never really seen an Indiana Jones movie, but I've seen, like, him on Conan. I actually just listened to him on Conan's podcast. So, from what I remember, and also, the, the Harrison Ford that we know is also, like, 80, 90, very old at this point. But this sounds pretty decent. It's probably Troy Baker, because it's always Troy Baker. But it sounds really good. Thousands of years of humanity's thoughts and beliefs scattered and buried. That's the thing about an impression, though. You don't really have to get you don't have to get the voice perfect. Like sometimes it's it's neat when you can get it perfect, but people who can get it perfect often don't can do like one thing. Like I can do a John. My John Mulaney is just how I love my wife and cocaine, and it's more the cadence than anything. It's not even that good of an impression, but this actually sounds like him. So I I, I very curious see how. I'm very curious to see how it sounds like when he gets hurt or when he has to do things that like you don't think normally in this type of voice, because even though it sounds close to it, what I'm getting at is it's mostly the cadence. It's mostly the cadence of how people talk. That is the impression. You don't have to sound dead on. You just have to be close. Unless you're like Jim Carrey. Just waiting to be found. See, I think it's interesting that the just run away from your problems. I think it's interesting that the cutscenes presumably are in third person, but the game from everything we've seen so far has been in first. Indiana. Watch me. See, was that gameplay in third person? So I just go from first to third? What other game does that? Do I just go from first to third back and forth like that? Ooh, stealth mechanics. All right, Wilhelm scream, whatever. But let's just go back a second. Oh wait, that's volume. Why is that volume? Throughout history, I went forward for some reason. Watch me. Okay, stealth mechanics one. But this, I want to know if. This whip mechanic that's in the game is 
inspired or taken from or they use some of the DNA from The Last of Us 2's rope. Because I remember the rope in The Last of Us 2, like articles being written about how impressive from a technical standpoint rope was in, in T. Lu 2. And I wonder if that's just an animation or if it actually reacts to the world around it. Throughout history, they have torch gameplay, thank God. Games nowadays just don't have torch gameplay. Mankind has built sites of great spiritual significance. If you were to draw a line through these ancient sites around the globe, you get a perfectly aligned circle. See, this seems slow. Why do these Nazis, presumably Nazis, not have guns? They don't have little pew-pews? Like, Hitler, Hitler wanted the entire army to have, like, pistols. He was like a madman. He was like, I, I want all of, my, all of my men to have one pistol. And they were like, Adolf, maybe that's not going to work. Maybe we want pistol. Like, the only reason they have the, uh, the gun that they have, I think, it's like a, I think it's like an MP40, is because Hitler goes, yeah, it looks enough like a pistol. Like, look how slow this looks. This is, this is... I've had run-ins with these guys before. I think, side note, we need more Nazi punching. I feel like, like, uh, this type of activity is slowly coming back. We will have another Holocaust in the next 10 years. And, uh, I just feel like we need to be punching more Nazis. The Nazis need to be the bad guys in movies again. Trust me. It ain't a walk in the park. Okay, then. Let's see if you can keep up. What do you mean if I can keep up? Again, a good indie. Like, I have no notes on that. Looks like maybe Berlin or London. That's fun. Probably not Berlin. Maybe. Patron of the fallen angels. Protector of the... Oh God. The Great Circle. Cool. <laughs> you have any idea how old that was? I was gonna say. Oh, okay, cool. I thought he was gonna say it belongs in a museum. So only on uh, Xbox, only on PC. There's the logo. Play again. it day one with Game Pass. You could play it day one with a game pass. Look at that, everybody. So here one. Here we go. So that that's that's the trailer. Again, sorry I didn't grow up with Indiana Jones. Um I don't know why I didn't. I don't really think it's that big of a deal that I didn't. Uh but it's cool. It looks fun. I'd like to see more. I want to see more Nazi punching. Uh, it looks like a decent game. It looks like a game that is going to be enjoyed by people that are fans of Indiana Jones and people who are just trying to pick up another title that, depending on when it comes out, like if this comes out in the summer, great summer game. Summer blockbuster, big movie, big tie-in, fantastic. This comes out, say, the winter? I think it's going to be a hard winter. But also, I don't really know of anything that's really coming out this year. This feels like one of the only games that I know is coming out this year that there is something to look forward to. Uh, in the description, or the description, in the comments below, let me know what you're thinking. I want to know how you feel about Indiana Jones uh, and this game, and if it's necessary, and what your hopes are for it. Thank you. Here is the rest of 
the episode. I'm moving like Oppenheimer. She dropped that ass on me from an egregious angle. Hey guys, segment three. This isn't anything crazy game related, anything news related. It's just as the new year has gone on, I wanted to talk about like the power of communication. About 30 minutes ago, um, actually what time is it? No, probably about an hour at this point. I just had like a really, really nice conversation. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard this and I try to tell everybody this, but anytime a conversation is happening, there's six people talking. If, if I'm speaking with you, there's six people talking. There's who I am, who I think I am, and who you think I am. And then the same goes for you. So anytime you get more than two people talking, it kind of gets a little, a little confusing. And I don't know how that applies to a podcast setting because it's very much me talking to you guys and you guys just sitting there going, yes or no, or he's an asshole. And I don't know where you sit in that assumption or that understanding or what have you. But I just, you know, I got out of the car that I was having a conversation in and just time is a beautiful thing too. Once you've had time to kind of step aside from something and look at it, like don't allow your feelings to get in the way of something, especially when it, when it's detrimental. And especially if you're being disrespected, if you're being disrespected in some capacity, then you have every right to no longer, you know, you have, you have every right to no longer like subject yourself to that, but you're going to still, still have a feeling towards that situation, be it positive, be it negative, be it neutral, be it anything, just I have a feeling that this year, for me, I have a feeling it's going to be a good year. And I have a feeling that this year is going to be a lot based on communication about the way we speak to each other, about the way we understand each other. I feel like a lot of what I said a couple episodes ago, if it wasn't last week, I don't remember, is, is so much of talking to who we were as children and saying, hey, you know, it's okay, buddy. Like, it's okay. I know, like, I know that that's, that hurts. Like, I know that's what that comes from. Being alive is the hardest thing we can do. And it's so, it's so hard to maneuver through our own thoughts and our own communication, our own way of speaking to one another that, you know, you talk to somebody and they're like, well, I went to school for communication. And it's like, yeah, I get that. But just because you read a book doesn't mean you know everything about it. You might know a different way to approach this, but how much, how much, if I sat down and talked to one new person every day versus you read a book for two years and we both did that the same amount of time, who really knows more about communicating with others? And I think the biggest part about communication is everyone says communication and then they think, okay, well, I have to talk. 90% of communication is listening to another person, is to understand another person's perspective. I've said it on here before, and I'll say it again. That's why I love travel so much. And I don't know if it was Bourdain or Zimmern, or I'm combining two things that they said. Maybe I said this, and I'm just attributing it to them. I don't know. But if you have a, an ounce of hatred, an ounce of bigotry, an ounce of racism, violence towards another person go to their country go somewhere else i feel like i just said this on here and i probably did but what i'm saying is go somewhere else and shut up 
anytime I've ever been on a trip, even if it's domestically, even if it's in my own country, I don't put my headphones in because I want to hear everything. When I was in France, that's what I did. I wanted to hear everything. I wanted to hear how the streets sound. I want to hear how the people sound, the shops opening up, the shops closing, the dog walking by me because it's all different because it's, it's in Europe. It's in a different location. And the perspective that I gained, I wasn't racist towards French people. I mean, I don't know if you can be, but like I, I learned a different perspective on who these people were are who these people were i became friends with a guy just because we both like skateboarding and we became friendly and we would talk a little bit here and there on on instagram like little things like that and i think so much of us being alive when it comes to our communication with others is people remember you as a certain way i used to be let's say different before I, I mean, even at the beginning of the show, but I feel like so many of my friends only have ever seen me as the way I used to be and not the way that I, I became. And I feel like I see that a lot with like older people. I'll go see a relative of mine that's older and you'll see that they're, you'll see their friend that they've known forever. And they talk to their friend as if they did when they were 13, 14, 15. And maybe that's just the way it is for some people, but Maybe it doesn't have to be that way. Just some things on my mind. Just some things I'd like to share with you guys. I hope you guys are doing well. My name has been Vince. This has been Atomic Radio Hour. Uh, intro music by the one and only Shane Ivers. You can get all of his his songs that are free at uh, silvermansounds.com slash free music. And our song, Atomic Radio Hour song, is called Feather Duster. In the description, there's links to my Twitter, the show's Twitter, Kyle's Twitter. Check out the Patreon if you got some time and a couple extra dollars to spare if you like the program. It is never mandatory, but always appreciated. Down there is also a link to the Redbubble, as uh, as well as the Twitch and a bunch of other fun stuff. Give it a look-see if you get a chance. I hope you guys enjoy it. I'll be seeing you next week. Please be safe. Have fun. I love you. All right, bye, everybody. Love you, bye. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. This has been a production made by your friends at Goldman Entertainment.